0: Is the weather outside frightful? Is the fire just so delightful? Do you have no place to go? Then let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Welcome to the Cow Hour. I'm your host, Briar. And I'm Nora. And this week we've watched the 1974 original Black Christmas, produced and directed by Bob Clark and written by A. Roy Moore. Sorry. This is the first and only one of these movies I have seen. How about
1: you? Of the Black Christmas oeuvre. Yes. Um, I have never heard of it until I think M and Vita both recommended it. And you might have also recommended it.
0: I think I, I think I put it on our list because it's something I've always been vaguely aware of because mm. it seems mm-hmm. like such a. More as like a concept than the actual movies, because it seems like a really obvious title for a Christmas horror to me. Um, I know nothing about the middle one, the 2006, I want to say, remake. Yes, I know absolutely nothing about that one. But I did see a trailer for the 2019 one when I went to see Doctor Sleep recently. I don't think I got that trailer, but... Um, it looked very different to the movie we just watched.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at uh, a picture of the protagonists, and yeah, it certainly has um, a combat-ready vibe
0: to these yeah, characters. It, it looks a lot more, it, like, I assume what the progression was with a lot of these remakes, where it's, like, a lot more about them fighting back. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, which is this <clears> movie, not about. No. Um there did look to be some aspects of that that I think I would have preferred to have things were handled in this one, but we can get to that later.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I just need to double-check something f- that I've noticed in your notes that I didn't notice in the movie. Ooh. Which is... Did the, I fuck up? The street name?
0: Yep, Belmont Street.
1: Okay, well,
0: um... A lot, of, a lot of vampire slayers living on that street. You know, yeah, I, the I was
1: going to find a way to, to do a Castlevania joke, and I couldn't couldn't quite get I, there.
0: I guess I just kind of brief lost one in.
1: <laughs> I know this is a movie podcast, but I'm constantly thinking about Castlevania, the Netflix show, so...
0: I still haven't watched the second series. I think season, the third I guess.
1: one is coming in the next year or so.
0: Sometime in there. I saw some like buzz on Twitter about that, but I think it was all... Fake.
1: Hmm. I remember it premiered on my birthday. I think the first season dropped on my birthday.
0: Oh, I'd love to get some Castlevania for the birthday.
1: Yeah. It's been a while since I had Castlevania on my birthday.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while since anyone had Castlevania on their birthday. <laughs> uh I have very limited experience of Castlevania, but I did play Bloodstained.
1: Bloodstained's pretty good. It's yeah, weird. I had it's- fun, but- it's like a weird rewrite of the last Castlevania game that Iga made, but that's a different that's a story for a different podcast.
0: Oh sure. Uh, so I guess <laughs> without further ado I should jump into the summary. Yeah. I'm going to take a big preparatory sip. So, at a sorority house on six Bellman Street, the tenants are enjoying a Christmas party. Outside, a unknown figure climbs up the wooden siding of the house in a point of view shot, climbing up into the house's attic. Now I don't know if we do wooden siding like this in the UK. If we do, I haven't seen it. Is it really that easy to climb on? I feel like I see people climb up on it in TV and movies very, very often.
1: I don't climb on anything ever, so I couldn't tell you firsthand.
0: So shortly after the house uh shortly after this, the house receives a particularly obscene phone call from someone who is implied to have called the house before. I will not be repeating the contents of this phone call is incredibly explicit and not safe. For this godly podcast
1: yeah we've never cussed on this podcast
0: not even once i mean uh, they said come on
1: gundam project recently so i guess all bets are off
0: oh uh, but it's on our podcast now as well mm. good good job nora <laughs> damn it
1: like <laughs> i'm looking outside and it's just misty fugs for days out there right now y'all <sighs> it's all
0: ruined it's, uh, my favorite season ruined so, one of the girls, Barb, talks back to the caller, who then says that he is going to kill her. Barb argues with Claire, another student, about how seriously they should be taking the calls, and Claire ends up heading upstairs to finish packing for Christmas break. In her room, the mysterious figure from earlier lures Claire into her wardrobe and suffocates her with a sheet of plastic, while downstairs the other girls have presented the house mother, which I assume was like a, a sorority term for the person who looks after the houses? I guess so. They have presented her with a particularly ugly dress. Uh, Her name is Mrs. Mac. I wish she lasted longer in this movie. I like her a lot. She's great. Um, The killer retreats into the attic while Mrs. Mac sneaks a mouthful of sherry from one of many bottles that she has hidden around the house. And Jess receives a call from her boyfriend, Peter, who she arranges to meet with the following day. Um, Clearly needing to talk about something important. After this, it is revealed that Claire has been taken up into the attic, wrapped up in plastic, and placed on a rocking chair by the window. Ah, uh-huh, big zip.
1: On the Wikipedia page for this movie, that image is the like main movie poster image of like yeah, that's a... her in the chair with the with the wreath.
0: It's a pretty spooky poster. Yeah. Uh not a fan of the tagline though. That's kind of a a bad tagline, I think.
1: Yeah, that's. If, if this, this picture, picture doesn't, doesn't make, your, make skin crawl, your skin crawl, it's
0: on too tight. Sorry, I talked over you. That's fine. We synced up pretty well, though. <laughs> uh, there's also a note on here that, like, I think it's down near the bottom or something. That actress did have to, like, hold her breath in the plastic. Mm. <laughs> which seems not fun to me, maybe. No, no, that doesn't sound like very much fun at all. Um, Not something I would have done, probably. But I guess I'm not an actress, so... If I were an actor, I would simply not be in a scary movie. Ah, uh, So the morning after this, Claire's father waits to meet her before heading to the house when she doesn't show up. Mrs. Mack, surprised that Claire has gone missing, heads to the common room with her father to look for her. Jess meets up with her boyfriend and tells him that she is pregnant and wants to get an abortion. He reacts very badly to this on account of being a self-important asshole <laughs> and... After returning back to the sorority house, Jess receives another phone call from the mysterious killer. Uh, these phone calls are all, like, several voices kind of bickering and speaking to each other in very confused tones. Lots mm-hmm. of screaming into cut hair. Yeah. Um, supposedly setting up the, the instability of the killer, which, ugh. Mm-hmm. Um... Back in town, Claire's father, Mr. Harrison, Barb, and Phil, uh, which is short for Phyllis, I guess, uh, attempt to report Claire missing, but Officer Nash at the desk does not take it too seriously. Mrs. Mack comes home and remarks that the front door is still broken, apparently getting stuck very easily, and after learning about Claire's disappearance from Jess, her boyfriend Chris storms back down to the station, where we learn that a local schoolgirl, Janice Quaid, has also gone missing while walking home from school. Chris convinces them to take uh, Claire's disappearance a little more seriously. Meanwhile, Peter clearly fucks his piano recital right up. Mm-hmm. There are three judges in that room, and not one of them seems even slightly impressed. Uh, I It seems.
1: Them. It feels like this is the the vibe of like when George Lucas showed off that first rough cut of fucking uh, A New Hope before all the edits.
0: Yeah, it's it's also like setting up for the kind of the gesturing mm-hmm. at Peter as being the one responsible for shit, even though he clearly isn't. (laughs) Um, Over dinner that night, Mr. Harrison explains he feels weird not doing anything about the disappearance, and a drunk Bob makes a fool of herself before heading up to bed. Chris and Jess show up before heading back out with Phil and Mr. Harrison to help search the park for Janice, where a a search party has been assembled. Uh, While preparing to leave the house for the holidays after making sure Phil knew that she might not be in the house when they get back. Mrs. Mack is led up into the attic and killed with a large crane hook, the sort that, I guess, people just have in their attics. Um it's swung into her face, leaving her hanging from it up in the attic. Uh, I wish Mrs. Mack lasted longer in this movie.
1: Yeah, she's just really funny, and, like, uh, there's the bit where the dad is... Um, like, looking around- just poking around the room and, like, noting all of the, uh, indications of a lifestyle he doesn't approve of, and she's just, like, leaning on the wall, hand-covering an ass on a
0: poster. Gotcha. Just desperately trying to cover it all up. (laughs) Um, on my my first watching, I just assumed that was Mrs. Max's room, but it's Claire's, I assume? I think so. Which does make more sense. Um... I wish she stuck around because this is one of those movies where the, the kind of the focus of it being scary is the fact that they're near this thing that is scary all this time and they don't know about it until it's too late. Mm-hmm. And Mrs. Mack is just like incredibly bumbling, the like A person not to notice any of this shit and to dismiss it. So it's kind of yeah. a shame she goes out very quickly.
1: I love the part where she is like spills her purse on the stairs and starts mumbling to herself and like cursing out the cat and then the, the dad just gives her a weird look and then goes back downstairs and she just starts vigorously flipping him off
0: it's so good she's like <laughs> she basically like shouts and calls the cat a prick and literally as she does that he just kind of steps up over the banister that's very good um, I like Mr. Harrison as well he has like a weird voice uh-huh. he's nice yeah. Great mustache, by oh, which yeah. I mean like very bad.
1: Mm-hmm. But like the good kind of bad.
0: Yeah, good on a person in a movie. Uh, back at the park, the search party has discovered the body of the missing Janice Quaid, uh, and Jess heads home while the others continue to search for Claire. Back at the house, she receives another of the obscene phone calls and attempts to report them to the police before being surprised by Peter, who has apparently already entered the house. I feel like they should maybe lock the house. What? You know, that just seems like a wise thing to do to me. Uh, that said, apparently you can just climb straight into the attic from the siding, so I don't know how much good it would have done them.
1: It seemed like nobody fucking goes up there ever, so I, it makes sense to me that, like, they wouldn't Yeah, even... there was
0: a comical amount of cobwebs in the <laughs> attic. Uh uh, Peter confronts her and tells her that they're going to get married and tries to intimidate her into keeping the baby and ends up storming off angrily after she refuses him on both counts. Peter seems like a complete tosser. Do not like him one bit. Mm-hmm. Um, just looks like a murderer. I know he isn't the killer, but <clears throat> he could have been. Um. Meanwhile, the police, who have... Drawn some pretty obvious connections between the two disappearances and the phone calls, arrives to book the house's telephone, leaving an officer outside in a car to watch over them. After helping Bob get back to sleep when she is awoken in a fright by the killer, but dismisses it as a dream, Jess goes outside to listen to some carol singers. The killer returns to Bob's room and stabs her to death with a glass unicorn figure. The singing outside drowns out her screams, leaving Jess none the wiser. The carol singers are quickly ushered away after one of the women with them hears about Janice's murder, and the phone begins to ring. It's the killer again, but Jess fails to keep him on the line long enough for the phone company to track the caller. This time the killer repeats some of Peter's words from their earlier argument in the house. Lieutenant Fuller, one of the people from the police department, calls her to ask some questions about the calls, and they begin to question the possibility that Peter might be the caller. The phone rings again, but this time it's Peter, who begs Jess not to get the abortion again before hanging up. Uh, He sounds like he is talking through tears. He sounds fairly hysterical. Mm -hmm. Um, In another call with Lieutenant Fuller, Jess remembers that Peter had been present during one of the earlier phone calls, meaning he couldn't actually be the one making them. Phil enters Bob's room to check up on her, but the killer slams the door shut behind her. And as the last we see of Phil, at least alive... From a bedroom, the killer makes another call, Jess answers, and this time the call is long enough to be traced. Fuller, who had gone to look for Peter at the recital halls, listens to the call in his squad car, and gets the report from the phone company that the call had been traced back to 6 Belmont Street. The calls were coming from inside the house. (gasps) Fuller tries to call the officer placed outside the house, but it is revealed that he too has been killed. He asks Officer Nash to call Jess and ask her to leave the house, but not to tell her that the killer is inside of it. Nash calls her and does a terrible job of convincing her to go outside and just tells her that the calls are coming from inside the house. Explicitly the thing he had been asked not to do. In response, Jess begins to shout in panic, very much giving herself away, and heads upstairs with a poker from the fire instead of fleeing the house. She forces open Bob's door to reveal her and Phyllis's body placed on the bed before whispering draws her attention to someone watching her from behind the door Uh, this shot of just the the single eye looking in between the crack between the door and the door frame great shot yeah great maybe maybe the best shot in the movie it's
1: um, the second shot of peter where there's like very deliberate lighting on one of his eyes and it's just the, they both look great the first one is when he's talking to her in the room about the it's it's near the end of the scene where he Uh, uh, tells her to marry him.
0: Uh, Well, it's not Peter, right? It's the killer. They are two different people, but they are shot very similarly on purpose. It's the same eye, yeah.
1: I just Um, assumed the killer was Peter until you started saying that the killer wasn't Peter.
0: No. Uh, She slams the door shut on them and rushes downstairs, only to find that the front door is stuck, so she instead takes refuge in the cellar, locking it behind her. She hides in there until Peter appears, breaking a window and slipping into the basement to talk to her. The police arrive and, following Jess's screams, find the two in the basement, Peter dead and Jess, barely conscious, seeming to have killed him with the poker. They put Jess to bed upstairs and discuss the case, an officer explaining some of the bodies need to be driven to the morgue on account of how many there was. Mr. Harrison goes into shock and is escorted out, leaving Jess alone in the house except for an officer outside. The camera pans across the upstairs rooms before revealing the bodies of Mrs. Mack and Claire still undiscovered in the attic, as the killer begins to climb back down the ladder. Over the credits, we watch as the one remaining officer waits outside, as the house's phone begins to ring. And that is the end.
1: I think I missed part of the ending. Mm, It sounds like you
0: did. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's pretty... I feel like it's pretty intentional that it's Mm -hmm. made to look like Peter is responsible. And I guess that's maybe the reasoning that Jess killed him? Yeah. But that that one still sits weirdly with me when not like 10 minutes ago in the movie we had come to the justification that it cannot be Peter. It's a little bit of an overreach. I think the ending in general is... A little much for me. Um, I like the idea of the the killer, like, evading the police somehow, or maybe, like, slipping out with the police. But the fact that they turned up to this house where a bunch of people have been murdered and did not think to look in the attic at all (laughs) is, like, oof.
1: On the Wikipedia page, it says it's praised for concluding without revealing the identity of its villain. But I don't know why that is a point of, like,
0: a point to praise it for. Yeah, I mean, I do kind I, of like that. The, 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 <clears throat> there is no, like, unraveling the mystery here. It is just a thing that happens. But yeah,
1: yeah I just, like, I don't know why, like, it didn't do that in, like, a particularly, mm-hmm. like, clever way. It just didn't.
0: Yeah, and but, it's like, it, it's not like it resisted characterizing the killer. Mm hmm. Like, they are clearly a person. Like, a very specific character in this world. Yeah. Um, man, yeah, it's just really, it's such a weird ending. Like, if yeah. this was me, if I was the director here, uh, there is a shot right at the end where a police officer comes into the door to turn the to turn the light off in Jesse's room. Uh, what I would have done is would have had that police officer enter the room and close the door, and that would have been the end of the movie. Mm. Like, I would have cut from there to the shot of outside with the phone ringing because as soon as you as soon as you show the attic again you just remind everyone that like they didn't look up there and that's <laughs> ridiculous
1: no one went up there um it did seem like very difficult for mac to get into the attic
0: yes but she oh. is like clearly not like particularly athletic
2: mhm
1: i had a question now maybe this is just wishful thinking
0: Ah, the... Are you about to bring up the thing near the the beginning of the movie? Uh huh. Hmm. I don't think this is wishful thinking. This feels like fairly blatant to me.
1: The thing that I wrote about that I left this little note in our uh, chat here.
0: Mm, yes, I saw it. Uh,
1: so at the beginning, Phil has her hand on the wall, and uh, in front of her is some. Who is that?
0: Other. I think person? it might have been Jess.
1: Okay. Because it, it was, was just. Fire. It's just very, like, the thing from anime where you put your hand on the wall behind somebody while you're talking to them. And it was just like, this is gay, right?
0: Yeah, I, I like in that scene especially has, like, a very lingering gaze on Jess.
1: Yeah, I was just like, I'm... am I...
0: am I making this up? Is this, or is this, like, gay? No, I'm pretty sure it was gay. I'm speaking to the gay authority right now, and they're, um... Oh, yeah? Yeah, one second. No, they say it's gay.
1: Well, you heard it here first, Uh, folks. It's gay. I
0: I did get the confirmation there.
1: You heard it Um, here first, folks. Black Christmas. Gay or the Frozen
0: 2? Damn, I guess it is. (laughs) Um, We should talk about the mental illness stuff very briefly, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. This is, again, exactly the same as the Friday the 13th conversation, where it was really unnecessary. (laughs)
1: I couldn't tell if that if it was that, or if it was, like, intentionally trying to just, like, unnerve the people getting the call.
0: Uh, so, from what I understand, in the 2006 remake, uh, the killer who is referred to as... Uh, the, the killer's name is Billy, I think. Hmm. Um, that's what they're credited as. Their story has gone into a bit more, and they are, like, institutionalized for a while oh, in their cool. backstory. Oh, um, it is very intentionally playing on the you know those kind of tropes, which it doesn't need. Like the idea of someone being in your home without you knowing about it is already very frightening. Yeah, um, that's like exactly the kind of like domestic horror that I really like. The idea that this place that is supposed to be safe for you really, really isn't.
1: It doesn't need to even be a character, honestly. Yeah, it it could just be a person because that's scarier
0: um you you know what the phone calls could have been him just telling them stuff about their lives think how creepy that Mm. would have been Mm -hmm. Um,
1: just like like when when he like recounts the thing that peter said in their conversation uh about the abortion like just doing that but like oh you told todd you were gonna call and you never did
0: like, that's, that is the first thing that gets a very personal response from anyone, like, answering the phone calls. And I think yeah. most, of, most of like that would have done really well, especially considering they seem to completely not notice, the, like, this person in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, even in, like, the late phone calls where they are basically screaming down the phone, I don't think Jess really notices.
1: It, it doesn't seem like it. There was maybe one shot that made it look like she was looking up at the upper floors, but I, I, you know, didn't, didn't really seem to stick.
0: Yeah. Like, it seems to suggest that she's heard something, but she never, like, she continues to be in the house after that. Yeah. I think that's after, after Bob has been killed. So like, Phil is still alive at that point.
1: All in all, I really enjoyed this movie. Um, I think that it was just kind of an engaging thing the whole way through i i don't know that i love it but i had a good time watching it and yeah i i I very much enjoyed some of the like like we mentioned some of the shots earlier and like just some of the framing and stuff is really nice in this movie i and i don't usually care about that kind of thing i'm not usually into formal uh observations like that but i just like some of the camera shots in this one
0: yeah, like I, I want to jump back to the the shot of the eye behind the door, which I think is definitely the the best shot in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like that is so spooky. It's great. Uh, it it's a very I, like pressing shot.
1: As someone who has uh has been told I have lovely eyes and have like um started taking selfies to like in, like focus on the eyes. Uh, I like eyes in, in stuff, so this was a good shot of eyes.
0: I love seeing uh, that is like a specifically a very good framing for that eye shot. Mm, mm. Um, just like <clears> the <throat> crack in the door, which immediately suggests like, oh, this person was waiting in there. And she had forced that door open. It wasn't it was like locked.
1: Yeah. Um also uh shout outs to that cop. The fellatio cop.
0: Oh god, the the guy that just laughs or oh, officer Nash. <laughs>
1: The guy that just laughs, who whose only role in this movie is to laugh, that guy's great. So fucking
0: good. The <laughs> shot where Fuller is about to key in, and he like is watching him from the other desk, waiting for him to notice. <laughs> right. There's a lot of good performances in this movie. I think. Yeah. Um, like,
1: like all of every character, even if they have like three lines, like is very. Uh, I don't know, characterful? I don't know the word I want there, but it's just, like, very alive.
0: They're very realized. Um, Yeah. I think, like, Peter is such a good performance. Like, they look menacing in basically every shot. Yeah. Even when they're clearly not, like, that that person isn't trying to be menacing. The actor Mm -hmm. does a good job of still playing it off.
1: Right. Like, even though I think that actor has, like, weird young Mark Hamill vibes, he's still, like, pretty unnerving.
0: Yeah, like, (laughs) it's very good. Uh, I like Chris as well, who turns up to the police station like, full of fucking brimstone, but then immediately, like, cools throughout that conversation when he remembers, oh, I'm in a police station. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: And, of course, um, fan favorite Barb, we stand.
0: Barb's fun. Um, shame, I guess she spent half of this movie in bed. Yeah. She earned it.
1: She earned the rest. Just, she's just very funny.
0: Uh, I mean, the movie was pretty surprisingly funny overall.
1: Yeah, um, it's weird to have, like, a horror movie that, like, makes jokes, but the jokes are, like,
0: funny. It's. I mean, I'd say it probably it kind of isn't really. Like I feel like a lot of the stuff we have so far has done a good job of having like stuff to laugh at alongside the horror. So we because they're very similar things, right? We've we've done this
1: out of order, but for the listeners, our last episode was Krampus.
0: Oh boy, so much to <laughs> laugh at in, in that one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ooh, that one was a, a riot. A real thigh slapper. Um, look, you know, there's a there's a lot of different ways in which you can laugh at a thing, and certainly mm-hmm. laughed at that movie in one way.
1: In a way that was completely silent and without my face moving.
0: Uh, while we're briefly on other movies, I mentioned there was some stuff in the trailer for... 2019 remake that I thought was interesting at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks from a trailer I saw that the killer in that is like some sort of like frat bro cult, which I guess works for me better than the angle they took in this one to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, it looked very much like the the kind of thing. Oh, we you know we kill people every Christmas to keep things good or something. <laughs> um you know that kind of murder cult
1: yeah you got to you got to kill someone every year to get good grades
0: yep yeah you know, everything we've built would just fall apart if we don't keep up the the flow of blood my assumption is that fras bros fras- 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 suck so that one works yeah sure
1: you have to appease the ghost of john madden yeah i know john madden's not dead but we do have to appease his ghost john madden john madden football yep
0: uh Hey, um, I've already mentioned that Mrs. Mike should have survived. That was the last last of my notes. Do we want to jump to the questions that we have?
1: Yeah. As always, you can send questions to exportaudiopodcast at gmail.com. This one comes in from Tron. What did you think of the soundtrack for this movie? And did any of you think that Peter's performance at the recital hall would have been really good in a horror movie?
0: Uh, so for once, I did notice a lot of the music in this one, because it is a, a 70s movie, so there is musical stings everywhere. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> really difficult not to mention. It's
1: kind of like, uh, um, in something like Metal Gear, every time somebody moves their gun, it makes a cocking sound.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of just, like, a lot of people just hitting that piano a little bit. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. make sure you're paying attention to the shot, please. You, uh, you gotta get for, your money's worth on those strings. You really do. As for Peter's performance at the recital hall... I think it was in a horror movie, and it was good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's a trick question.
1: (laughs) Very character establishing, I guess, because I I felt like that that scene did a good job of, like, showcasing that side of the character that lets you interpret that as aggression.
0: Yes. It also shows you that, like, he is nowhere near the piano player that he thinks he is, because he's, like, Mm. fucking going at it and it's not great <sighs> oh
1: i just i just had a cursed thought
0: mm-hmm.
1: do you think the way he plays piano is indicative of the way he fucks
0: uh badly but confidently probably
1: yeah exactly that exactly that we can cut that if you don't want that in the podcast i just wanted to ask
0: no, that's okay. The uh, the seal on this one is broken. You already said terrible words. I work, can Elliot. edit that out. <laughs> uh, while we're back on Peter for a second, if we could jump back, I actually love that we the only scenes we get about his his piano recital are him doing it and him breaking the piano afterwards. Yeah. The judges never speak. Yes, but as a, they do a good job of implying what was said. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I really like that scene where he's hitting the piano. I thought that was really yeah. good, really good.
0: He's not even doing a good job of that. I know, right? <laughs> it's just so, like, impotent.
1: Who was your favorite character in this movie?
0: Uh, Mrs. Mack. She's yeah. great.
1: Mrs. Mack. Honorable mention, um, Claude the Cat.
0: Claude the Cat was also pretty good. Uh, I I feel like Claude's role in the movie was co-opted by the killer to some degree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Claude getting the blame for a lot of things that weren't Claude's fault, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's true. I- isn't that always the way with cats?
0: It does seem to be, yeah.
1: I kept looking at that cat, I just thinking about the cat from Doctor Sleep. Do you feel that like it... cat
0: will eventually start eating Claire? Uh, maybe. Only Sorry if it's to put starving. such a, a morose thought in that. <laughs> well, I mean, there's no one, no one left to take care of it,
1: so. uh, You know what? Fair. It could also just leave, because it's very easy to get in and out of that house.
0: I guess, yeah. Uh, Which is brought up, like, multiple times.
1: How do you feel about how the topic of abortion was handled in this movie?
0: Uh, I don't know that they really, like, went into it as an issue much, Mm -hmm. really. Like, it was just one person who... A character who was going to get one, and a dude who was very fucking against it and was clearly an asshole, like for doing so. Yeah. Um, I don't feel like Peter pushing back on that was ever pushed as was like ever presented as the good viewpoint here. I something. think
1: I don't think Peter at any point is framed as being like likable.
0: No, like even when we, even when he's been absolved of being like the killer here. He is still, like, framed in that way.
1: Yeah, he's still, like, showing up, like, breaking into the house to talk to her.
0: Yeah, basically all the shots we see of Jess and Peter together are Jess being scared of him.
1: Yeah. How do you feel about the depiction of police in this movie?
0: Ah, I love these cops. You can put (laughs) that one on record. Uh Um, Uh Except Officer Nash, because he sucks, obviously. Um, I mean, I guess, like grand scheme of things, we got Officer Nash who sucks. We have the person assigned to watch over the house who gets murdered within like an hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lieutenant Fuller, who seems like a pretty, pretty average, like hard-boiled detective lieutenant. Uh, and then we have the guy who just like laughs a lot.
1: Yeah, we also have the guy who got shot in the ass by a,
0: a hunting rifle. We do also have him. Uh I believe that was a shotgun that he got oh okay. shot by I don't he mentions, know guns. He mentions like telling the farmer to pick the pellets out of his butt mm, mm. which I with is, his like, teeth with his teeth with his teeth, yes, yeah, yeah. Um, um, I don't know anything about guns. I know enough to know that like shotgun pellets that makes well, sense. I've heard well, of
1: bottles in there they do st- they, yeah, it's like a spread, mm-hmm. I feel like I had some Oh, I was just going to say that uh, Lieutenant Fuller does look like the guy from uh, Monty Python's Flying Circus
0: Yes, he does. He also has Uh, like a weird weird thing he does with his hair His fringe is like very like slicked across his head mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. an odd way
1: Um, Easy question real quick What do you think of sororities?
0: Uh, I'm going to be real, don't don't really know what one is. I think it's a club. It seems like some kind of club slash living arrangement.
1: I think they play D anD D. I,
0: think I that's assume. What it is. I assume it is similar to like in my first year of university, I lived on, I lived in housing on the university campus, mm-hmm. and I assume it is similar to that, like an arranged, like a preset living arrangement by the, the college. I guess in American terms. But very like gendered for some reason,
1: yeah, um, so i uh didn't go to high school or I did a little bit of college, but not the kind of college that you stay at um and you are not from the states, so between the two of us, we have not a huge uh insight into this one.
0: I know that there is a a Kanye song where he says lots of college words, but that he didn't go so. The Greek letters
1: make me think that they're all Keyblade Masters in training.
0: The Greek letters make me think that they're all pretentious. That's also true, maybe. Um, I guess the only real, like, frat bro image I have is from a a browser RPG called Kingdom of Loathing, Mm. where there is an an island that is just, like, full of frat bros and hippies, and they're a constant war. Well, there you go. Didn't see any hippies in this movie, so I guess that was inaccurate.
1: Yeah, they might have been on the other
0: side of campus. Yeah, that's true. Um, did you find this movie scary? I
1: found the phone calls to be the most scary thing in this movie.
0: Uh, yes, the idea that there is someone in my house that I don't know about is the scariest shit. It keeps me awake every night.
1: Uh, Being a a, a house with people I don't really know, like my roommates, like one of them is autumn's friend from forever ago and the other person is that person's partner like i sure and also they just have people over all the time so it's like there's always someone in my house that i don't know um which is not to say that this isn't a scary concept because it is a scary concept Um, but also i just hear noises and i'm a paranoid anxious person so i just Assume that there are people, and I walked down to the basement to check it two nights ago, because I heard noises in the rainstorm that came by.
0: I'll be saying, but like, I, I occasionally will get in my head enough that I need to get up and, like, check wardrobes. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. de- <laughs> there is definitely no one in there, but I need to know. I need to make sure.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um,
0: uh, I'm very much like that with mirrors, especially, in the dark. Mm-hmm. Um, do you not want to look at them? In case I see something I don't like.
1: Yeah. I hate it when I look in a mirror and see something I don't like.
0: <sighs> it happens more than I like it to do so. Yeah, it's like that sometimes.
1: Uh, next one is... I, my phone went to sleep. I'm vamping. I can't get my phone to unlock. There we go.
0: That was a good vamp.
1: Meh. <laughs> <laughs> No, I have to keep that in. <laughs> uh, what do you think of this movie in the context of the slasher genre? I was surprised that this movie was about, in part, how deadly sexism and misogyny can be by imbuing those qualities in the killer.
0: So this is a pretty early one, right? I think 71 pits this before, like, Friday the 13th. Um, yes. Uh, before uh, Halloween as well, I think. Yeah, so- it mentions
1: in Wikipedia page that it, ins- it was an influence on... Halloween, which was seventy eight. This was what seventy four. Yeah, seventy four.
0: Yeah. So in the context of the slasher genre, it's like a pretty, pretty early, pretty influential one. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like some of this, some of this stuff is definitely felt in Friday the Thirteenth, which I assume could be from this or from Halloween if they trade in a lot of similar stuff. Mm-hmm. The idea that like everyone's being you know taken out and it's t- you don't notice until it's too late, which is definitely how Friday the 13th works. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I can see how this sets up a lot of stuff that is you know continues to be played on later.
1: Yeah, uh the first person shots are also one that I just remembered.
0: Yeah, we got a lot of point of view stuff in Friday the Thirteenth, also.
1: Yeah, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think Halloween also has a bunch. Yeah, because like the opening of Halloween is a first person shot.
0: Mm, I haven't seen Halloween yet, so I would have to rely on you there. But I assume it's something we're going to see a lot in sort of mm-hmm. this like decade of horror. Halloween's so fucking good, y'all. We should do Halloween at some point.
1: We really should. I got to see it at midnight with my wife. It was great. The spookiest um, hour. None more spooky than my wife. <laughs> That's not true. My wife is very unspooky.
0: Ah, love to have a spooky wife, though.
1: You'd love to see it. Um, well, what did you think of the ending of this movie? I read it as the stranger being a tangible force of the patriarchy, an idea that can't be stopped by killing one bad man and that the police can't get rid of.
0: Uh, I think that's maybe a little a little charitable that uh, a little bit of bit of Christmas. Good mm-hmm. good spirit. Goodwill. <clears throat> um I think it's literally just the like the zynga that they didn't look in the attic. The killer is still here. Um, yeah, I don't know that it's I don't know that it means anything.
1: I don't think that they did much to set up it as like an entity or a force in that way. Yeah because it's it's like based on the urban legend, right? Yes, we mentioned this off mic. We should we should at least briefly touch on that.
0: Yeah, so the movie and a bunch of other movies like uh when a stranger calls, um when a stranger calls back, when a stranger calls the 2006 remake <laughs> um are all based on a pretty common urban legend about like a, a babysitter receiving telephone calls from a stalker who asks her to you know, go upstairs and check on the children. Um, you know, she calls the police after receiving a bunch of these calls. The police call her back, advising her to leave. She leaves the house and the police meet her. They explain the calls are coming from inside the house, and the, you know, the person calling is upstairs and has killed all the children. Um, there's mm-hmm. a lot of, like, mutations of that urban legend in a lot of different things. Um, I think Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark has, like, a similar thing to it in the summer so i don't think that there is a deep meaning i have been playing at all by this movie i think it is just kind of sticking with some of the some of the versions of that urban legend that exist
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh this i'm just on the wikipedia page for the babysitter and the man upstairs which is the page for this urban legend um and at the bottom it's just a list of urban legends and i'm like oh, i love you?
0: urban legends Cow tipping. That, is that one, does that count as a legend and not just like a thing that I assume people did?
1: Uh, There's also one called The Hook, which I think is Mandor Hand Car Door.
0: I would assume so, yeah. It's the, oh, our car has broken down and we hear on the radio that there has been a breakout at the asylum. Yeah. Is it?
1: Mandor Hand Car Door.
0: Okay, yeah, there is an ink drawing depicting the hook legend, the character's faceless silhouetted appearance. Alongside his raincoat and rain hat, those remain consistent in many variations of legend. Glad the murderer is, you know, staying staying nice and, nice and yeah. like, dry out there in the rain. It's the raincoat killer. Oh, that's uh, a, um, that game that people like. <laughs> Deadly Premonition, that's the one. That's the one. <sighs> don't get um, it so mixed yeah.
1: up with the umbrella killer
0: no no the
1: origami killer very different that's the one from from heavy rain is it umbrella um, killer a thing
0: i don't know i feel like it is
1: or did I, did I just like make up a cool resident evil spinoff
0: i mean i hope you haven't like spoken some kind of murder into our existence because that would be bad mm. That would be bad. Also, I'm going
1: to add Resident Evil to our movie list later today. Oh, yes. We should watch those. <laughs>
0: uh, uh, that's a lot of those things, isn't there? There's six, I think. One, mm, that two... A, that counts as a lot of movie to me.
1: I think there are six. I think that's true. The last one is called The Final Chapter, and I i haven't seen it, but I've been told that it ends with the
0: line, there's still work to do. Mm, that would I guess that could still work as a final chapter, right? <laughs> not not every, not every like uh, cliffhanger needs to be followed up on.
1: I love those movies.
0: Um, I'm extremely the person that likes sudden endings. Uh huh. Yeah. We um, got yeah, one final question.
1: Yeah, my phone went to sleep again, but this time I have got it unlocked already. Uh, did you read anything into the idea of the stranger calling from within the sorority house?
0: I uh, not really know. It's like part of the legend, right?
1: Yeah. Um. No,
0: that's like I a that, to this story, pretty much.
1: Like, the reason that it's a sorority house and not a normal house is just so you can have more cute girls in it, right? Yeah. Like, maybe that's not a charitable read on that, but I don't know. I think
0: it's Probably accurate though. Right? You kind
1: of have a a cap on how many deaths you can put in the movie if you make it a normal home. Whereas, like a sorority house, there could be fifteen people in
0: there. Plus, just you want to do like college students, and that's just mm. that happens to be how college works, I guess. That too. And dorms just aren't scary for the right reason. Yeah, there's too many people there. Whereas, like, a house is a very, like, specific space. Yeah. Like, even if it was a stranger's house, I think I feel a, a specific kind of safety in a house that I don't. in like, a big, shared living space.
1: Yeah, that's true. <clears throat> that's it for questions. Yeah. Um, so, I will mention... Because I don't know if any if any of the other two episodes that have been that have gone up since we've recorded this uh if we mentioned it but um the blair witch project episode that we recorded is lost because uh when i sent my computer to get a piece fixed on it uh they ended up needing to wipe everything on it so my half of that episode is Gone and much like today, we were not using our backup.
0: Hmm. We should we we should do that. We should use that backup um, more often. Yeah, we did unfortunately lose the lose the tapes on the old Blair Witch. Uh, not our I fault. could upload the just, just Briar's like half. You could you could re-record <laughs> yourself <laughs> responding to just the track of me. mm Hmm. Um. That would be not fun, probably.
1: No, no. I'm I'm no Nick Brecken.
0: No, we will have to leave the Blowish tapes out there for people to discover, I assume, a decade from now.
1: Yeah, we'll start our own Slenderman tape thing.
0: Hell yeah, I'd love my own Slenderman.
1: Love a Slenderman. (laughs) You want to take us to the, the plugs? The plug zone? The Plug Zone? That's a thing in another podcast, right? Probably. The Plug Zone.
0: Uh, Whose who's copyright have I infringed upon? I hope it's not them. No. Uh, no, they have the Money Zone. Right.
1: Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at neither Nora, and at Zoetics. That's Poetics, spelled with an X at the front. Uh, medium.com slash at Nora F. Blake and medium.com slash at Zoe Mars, X-O-E-M-A-R-S. NeitherNora.Itch.io is games that I write. Uh, the other two things that I just said were me- my mediums for criticism and for poetry. Uh, you can also buy my poetry if you want. I have a zine you can buy at dragonflower-press.itch.io. Um, it's there if you want it. I've got a couple copies lying around. And also you can just buy the PDF. Um, Other stuff. uh, If you are listening to this, then the Export Audio Holiday Special will have gone up. It's supposed to go up early Christmas morning. Uh, We did a commentary track for the Star Wars Holiday Special. Um, so please do give that a, a listen and go ahead and watch that with us. Just go to hell with us, you know, Karelian hell. Um, anything else? I think we've we should be back on the Titans. We should be back to making the Time to Go Titans podcast. That is also at Export Audio. Um, all of these things can be found at uh, ExportOdd.io is our Patreon, and if you go to ExportOdd.io/slash Export Audio. Then it'll just take you to our um, page for that podcast specifically. Uh,
0: yeah, we got stuff coming out. We got plans. And you can find me on Twitter at wagazel, and you can find uh, the stuff I make on itch.io at wagazel as well.
1: Nice. Your um, plugs are always so much shorter and like put together than mine.
0: <laughs> that's because I do a lot less. Time is up for the cower hour. You can join us next time as we as I scroll down this list and find out what it is that we are watching next. Um it is something vampire y apparently according to this list. Maybe we should
1: <laughs> Oh shit. We Maybe we I should have picked something by then. Uh um, I'm just, hey, you wanna just make that Resident Evil?
0: That seems so vampire to me, if I stretch meanings of certain words in my head to make them not the thing that they are.
1: I mean we did just recently watch a vampire movie in Dr Sleep but that's a
0: different thing. Oh shit we did. We saw The Vape Vampires. The Vape Pires. Ah I avoided that on purpose.
1: Um <laughs> anyway
0: uh well in the words of Dr Sleep until then a good night. Good
1: night. So, um... <laughs> From something. From myself,
2: I guess.
0: Your magic, like me.
2: I was called it the Shining.
0: World's a hungry place. Then they'll eat what shines. (sighs) Doctor Sleep, rated R. See the full trailer on YouTube.
2: Hi everybody, welcome back to Cowr Hour. Uh, We're here with uh, segment two. I am Autumn June. Uh, You just heard the Black Christmas episode that your normal hosts uh, recorded. I'm sure it was lovely. None more normal. None more normal. That's great. I love that. Mm -hmm. Uh, As always, I'm joined by Briar and Nora. That's me. We all watched Dr. Sleep and wanted to do a short little mini sode inside the sode to uh to uh talk about Dr. Hey. Sleep, the hot new twenty nineteen film. Yeah. <clears throat> um you go
0: uh. No, what? So I understand there is like some leeches of, of vaping US at the in this movie. They're Can literally vaping that there was all some the kind time. Of warning up front I guess I TV? just assumed
2: they were smoking. No, the vampires This, this was the... a jacket I had there's lots of vaping. Oh, oh, they were vaping like um each other. They were vaping like the uh when Johnny Depp vapes out of that skull to show people World War II in uh, Fantastic Beasts. <laughs> I thought you were going to go with they were vaping aura from people. Ruby, but no okay Uh,
1: the ruby joke would have been appropriate
2: it would have been uh we did a ruby check (laughs) on our ruby podcast about the shocking amount of ruby content in this film this
1: is considered part of the extended ruby canon in my opinion
2: sure yeah uh so who wants to talk about what this is and why it's weird I have I have uh, Wikipedia pulled up in front of me, and so I can give you that. I can also... I just meant that you were yeah. so hooked on, oh, this is weird because it's like a sequel to a movie that doesn't yeah. exist. So let, if I'm not stepping on your toes, Briar, I'll just like say why I wanted to see this movie so badly. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Besides Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, you and I went to see something a couple months ago and saw a trailer before it for Doctor Sleep. And two trailers for Knives Out. Two trailers oh, for Knives that Out. that was The Joker? Yes,
1: we went and <laughs> saw
2: The Joker.
1: Which, um, that that d- date to see The Joker has been mentioned on two episodes of this podcast. Yes. Weirdly.
2: Um, I'm going to do a mini, mini-sode inside our sode, um, uh, which is that The Joker is the worst movie I've ever seen in my entire life. A micro-sode. Uh, anyway, anyway. So, Doctor Sleep, we saw some trailers for it, and it caught my eye. One because Obi Wan Kenobi uh, uh, is in this movie. I love him. Mm-hmm. Always want to. I will go see any movie with Ewan McGregor in it. Obi Wan Kenobi, hot, racist, <laughs>
1: but hot. He hates droids. Does Obi Wan and Kenobi hate droids? Does, I forgot. I don't those. remember ever owning a droid.
2: Okay, anyway.
1: Also, he just doesn't like drugs, but okay. Okay, anyway. I'm turning off my phone's buzzer because that was annoying.
2: It was annoying. You would know. I will get through this intro someday.
1: mm
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Dr. Sleep, uh, as you may or may not know, listeners, is a new 2019 film directed by Mike Flanagan, who has done some other horror m- films I have not seen I'm not really familiar with by reputation either, but um, Dr. Sleep is a novel that Stephen King wrote in 2013 as a sequel to The Shining, um, which he wrote in 1975, I want to say. And the trailer for Dr. Sleep trades on a lot of um, iconography from the 1980 Stanley Kubrick Shining film, um which is an interesting film in like Stephen King lore i haven't read any stephen king novels but i do know that that dude fucking hates stanley C- hello oh we've resumed recording that's fine Hi. oh
0: that God. was weird how long how long have you been recording Briar? Uh, let me take a look at this audio position uh 5 minutes and 42 seconds
2: we lost 10 seconds it's fine it's probably fine oh, it's probably it's fine, fine.
0: This
1: has
2: never happened on this show before, so... No. We've never lost content. Anyway, I'm just going to use the Craig. It's going to be fine. This is why we have Craig. Totally forgotten what I was saying.
0: Um, fuck. You're uh, saying that he does not like the the Kubrick movie.
2: Yes. Um, Because, in part, my understanding is that the, the 1975 book, the original novel, has a lot of, like... Uh, lore in it a lot of like exploring what The Shining is and like an world building and explanations um, which Kubrick mostly forgoes Kubrick dumps a lot of the things that Stephen King found most interesting about that book um, and so uh, Doctor Sleep uh, the film is now in this interesting position where it has to, like, sort of be a sequel to a movie that wasn't made because it is, it is definitely a sequel to Kubrick's The Shining. It's like, like one for one recreates certain shots from that movie, um, and uh, and we'll get into maybe why it does that. But
0: they um, also
1: have a clone of Jack Nicholson. Is that his name?
0: Yes. Um, I don't know actors. Uh, I'd say going get a clone of him is maybe a little bit strong.
2: Yeah, that guy looks kind of... It's kinda... not a great clone, but it's like... He functional. kind of looks like Jack Nicholson's fourth cousin. <laughs> if you had told me that that was a
1: CGI de-aged Jack Nicholson, I probably would have believed you because I haven't seen that movie. I've only seen like a few seconds of that movie.
2: But yeah, um, this movie essentially has to be a sequel to a movie that was never made, adapting... um. That is like a sequel to a book that never really got adapted in some ways, um, which is just an interesting premise. I watched that trailer and was like, that trailer looks pretty good, but I don't think they can stick this landing. I think this is a literally unstickable landing. And to take us into like broad takes about the movie, I think they really fucking stuck the landing. Briar, what did you think like
0: broadly? Uh, so, as someone who, like, literally hasn't seen The Shining or read any of these books... Um, Me either. Right, I'm the exposure. only person
2: on this call who's seen Kubrick's The Shining, and I don't believe any of us have read a Stephen King novel.
0: Uh, I've read some, but not, like, either of these do. Okay.
2: I have never touched a
1: Stephen... No? Did Stephen King write the... Dark tower. dark tower yes i read two chapters of that
2: drift compatibility at a fucking maximum <laughs> in that moment where i knew that you would like this fantasy series he did
1: i read two chapters and then didn't touch it again so does that count sure okay i've read some um, king so yeah, yeah what like, did you- my only
0: my only exposure to the shining is like pop culture stuff and i think this movie like still lands really well yeah
1: yeah, I, um, I was worried that I wasn't going to be able to follow it because of that. but Because, uh, like, I'm not a person who has generally seen movies in the canon. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I wasn't sure how that was going to play. But this movie slaps, and I love it. And I had zero trouble, like, understanding the gravity of the things that were callbacks or references uh, to the first movie. Like, when they bring in sets or like recreate sets from that movie i still felt the gravity of that even though i'd had no context for it
2: um i also having had having seen the movie um i got a great deal of joy out of leaning over to you in certain bits and being like this is the set where jack nicholson has the job interview where he gets um he gets the job to watch over the overlook hotel oh, this helicopter shot as they drive into the Overlook Hotel is, like, one for one in the original movie. Like, I got a great deal of joy out of, like, spotting those references. And I think, actually, the references um, to the older movie serve a really interesting purpose in this one.
1: I got some joy from seeing uh, Rose walk... Down a hall, look to the right, see an <laughs> elevator open w- that was full of blood that was pouring out in slow motion, and then it just cuts back to Rose, she's like, huh, and keeps walking.
0: Yeah, that's good shit. <laughs> so I kind of got a similar experience with, like, you know, recognizing things from earlier, but rather than recognizing them from the movie that I've seen, I was recognizing jokes I've seen in the fucking browser yes. game Kingdom of Loathing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was gonna say, oh yes, The Shining is very ubiquitous in pop culture I assume that we've all just absorbed imagery from The Shining I really like that you pulled Kingdom of Loathing
1: I feel like this is not the first time Kingdom of Loathing has come up on this podcast
0: No, I, like a lot of my fucking like, broad pop culture knowledge is all Kingdom of Loathing jokes
1: Um, I only know The Shining from the clips of it that appeared in the classic film Twister Oh, Twister there's a scene with a drive-in theater and they're playing The Shining and then the tornado comes. Um, It's got I the feel trike. Like...
0: Sorry.
2: No, Nora was just going to keep explaining Twister. You please go, <laughs> Briar. <laughs> I
0: was going to say, I, I feel like all the, the particularly famous shots, especially the ones they pull to use again in this movie, are ones that have been parodied in a lot of things kind of over and over.
2: Yeah, I'm sure that they've gotten like a hundred simpsons episodes out of the Shining, particularly i know that i've seen at least one of them <laughs> um i think i don't know i said that and now i'm gonna look like a buffoon because they'll have never done the shining on the simpsons but
1: fingers they crossed. definitely have okay. okay i definitely feel like in my soul i have seen a gif of homer simpson using an axe on a door yeah that sounds right
0: <laughs> I yeah, that's te- probably a treehouse of horror episode that is literally just the shining Almost certainly.
1: I've seen two episodes of The Simpsons now for the first time in my life
2: because you pulled it up on Disney+. Plus. We should... Weird show. We should go through and just watch all the Treehouse of Horror episodes, at least as long as the show is good. Um, I like The Simpsons, but Treehouse of Horror is, like, the highlight every year um, of the show. Sure. Um, but yeah, um, I, th- I thought the... I thought they did a really good job uh, with like the references back to the older stuff because um I thought at first that those would be like kind of empty calories of like getting someone like me to point at the screen and be like, oh, it's that bit from that movie I like. But I think actually um, like it pulls from that very heavily in certain parts of the movie and then shunts it to the side when it's not serving the purpose, which is that, like, um, it wants to... It's not just nostalgia, it is also purposefully evoking this trauma that Danny went through, um, and, like, there are times where Danny is not thinking about this, like, traumatic thing that happened to him, and so we don't have to reference The Shining explicitly, because that's just not what's on his mind, but, like, There are other times where the trauma is extremely present for him, and, like, that is when the references show up. And I I think they use those, like, smartly. It's not just, like, you know, a remake or a reboot or...
1: Is the old lady from The Shining? What old lady? The naked old lady.
2: Yes, but I don't remember her... I didn't remember her until they go to the Overlook Hotel. I was like... I assume that that is someone who they see in the Overlook Hotel, but I genuinely could not recall her. She was not, for me, one of the more memorable, like, ghosts. Mm -hmm. Um, Until, like, I see her in the bathroom in room 237. I'm like, oh, duh, okay. I Um, think
0: the callbacks do a really good job of kind of setting up the Overlook Motel as this weight that is present on Danny, basically the entire movie. Right. Um,
2: Which actually... Um, one of the disappointing things about the movie to me was that um, at the very end you know to jump way ahead I guess I don't we're not gonna do a linear plot summary but at the very end um, Danny um, or I guess he goes by Dan in this movie <laughs> Dan um, sets the hotel on fire um, and uh, is like, literally at war with the ghosts of the overlook motel or hotel possessing him. Um, And as the hotel is burning, um, he has one final peaceful moment where we see um, like him and fake sissy Spacek like sharing a moment in the boiler room. And for me, that part of the ending didn't really land because um, so much of the movie was about him. Like, working past this generational trauma that he experienced. And um, the final moment is like, oh, actually, no, he's always been that little boy. He's always been this person who was hurt in the hotel and he can't escape this thing. I, I don't mind that he died at the end of the movie. I don't like the um, thematic implication of that last moment. But
1: that's not his last moment. That's the whole point.
2: That's true. That's, that's true. True. Yeah. Right. Like the whole, they keep,
1: Say it multiple times, like, we keep going, and then he shows up as a ghost, and he's a grown man.
2: Yeah, guiding him, like, um, the...
1: Guiding the new girl, like, the other guy. Guided him. him, yeah. yeah. So, I would like to put forth a theory about this movie. Please do. hmm. Because it came to me 30 seconds ago, and I feel my brain expanding. You saw I me. Saw,
2: I saw Nora, um... Places her hands over their mouth and just like try to suppress a gasp. I saw Zer I saw Zen look into like miles away like <laughs> like Z had seen like the glory of God.
1: <laughs> yeah, Dr. Sleep is a Star Wars movie about a Jedi suppressing his connection to the Force and then being hunted by Inquisitors and helping a Force-sensitive child... To uh, escape them and also uh, dealing with d- the traumas of Order Sixty Six. This is my this is my new galaxy, bra- <laughs> yeah. is galaxy could, far, far away
0: take. Could frame. I offer an alternate, very big brain theory? Please uh-huh. do. Yes. Please. Uh, this is delivery. a prequel to the Harry Potter series, and these are Dementors that we see in this movie.
2: Well, folks, that's all the time we have for the podcast <laughs> today. The thing is that
1: that's. <laughs> That's way cooler than anything Rowling would write. <laughs>
2: <laughs> this is why we have to wrestle uh, Harry Potter away from her, because everybody has better ideas about what to I do with Harry Potter. I was just gonna say that's why does. we have to wrestle her. <laughs> we have to like <laughs> just punch her in the face and her. say, "Shut the fuck up." <laughs> we turf. have
1: to, we have to get Rowling into the ring <laughs> so that Sans Undertale can administer justice. Anyway, anyway. Um, My actual thing is that I didn't realize until, like, three days after seeing this movie that it was a vampire movie, but it's totally a vampire movie. You say that, but I literally
2: said that to you inside the Buffalo Wild Wings after we... And that's when it happened.
1: Whatever. I said they were vampires. I was making myself look, like, way more, like, slow (laughs) and humble, but okay. It was immediately after the movie that the word vampire entered entered the conversation about this movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, we were also talking a lot about how queer-coded some stuff was, and I, not in
2: like a great way. I want to get to that, okay. but do we, I want to spend more time with like the villains and the way they're kind of dementors, kind of inquisitors, kind of uh, vampires, vampires, mostly vampires, IMO. But I will. <laughs> I look. It was just
1: not the. It's not like they're sapping midi or whatever. It was just that like. You could easily beat for beat tell a Star Wars story here because Star Wars can contain any genre story in the world,
2: yeah, but also I love Star Wars, also stories of like generational trauma and people who are uh preying upon other people mm-hmm. turns out those are that's bigger than Star Wars that's a more universal thing than
1: yeah, but it's also like a core tenet of Star Wars, so. okay
2: um I found. I found the villain's um in this movie really fascinating um and I had a point that I was building to and lost it so if anybody wants to pick up this baton you can run right ahead or I'll keep talking until I find it again
0: Was it something about how they had kind of a sense of community maybe Yeah yeah do you want to speak to that a little bit Ah uh, this is your point I just picked it up and <laughs>
2: No. You dropped I, this baton, honey. <laughs> no, it's fine. I just thought um that like it's okay. I will I will actually then tie this into some of the queer coding stuff that I was also I, I was not a fan of this, but I also don't know if it's substantial enough to make me mad at the movie about this. Mm-hmm. The so for anyone who hasn't seen the movie Um, The villains in this are people uh, who have, like, if you've seen the original film, uh, Danny has this ability that he calls The Shining, where he can kind of read other people's minds. This movie, like, develops that a lot more, where there's, like, telepathic communication, and some people can, like, do a Jesse Custer and, like, command you, and then you have to do it. That's a deep cut. Don't worry about it. Uh, Different Jesse Custer. (laughs) Anyway. I don't
1: know what... Okay. I'm
2: referencing Preacher. <laughs> oh.
1: Anyway. I was told that show was good, but I never saw it. Uh,
2: that comic ruined my life. Show. Anyway. I know. I, I don't know, know about anything the about the show. Okay. Talk about Dr. Slate. So, so the, the, these, there are people with magical powers, and these sort of vampiric people um, have these powers as well, and prey on... Um, prey on other people with powers and, like, will torture them, kill them, uh, chase them down because, like, they can sort of, like, absorb power from other people with power. And so, like, they can live, uh, like, hundreds if not thousands of years this way, um, like, aging ever so slowly, like, um, and like, the where some of the like difficult queer coding stuff came in for me was that um, one of the first times I think the second time we see them do what it is they do um, they find this um, young girl uh, uh, who can like whisper in someone's ear and they follow her orders um, and they like kidnap her and they're like, we really like your powers. Like, we want to incorporate you into our community. Um, and in this scene, like, she sees the main villain, Rose, and is like, oh my god, you're the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in my life. So, like... Because Rose because, uses her power to force her to tell to be honest and
1: tell the truth, and then she said, like, oh, it works a little too well.
2: Yeah. So, there's, like, some implied queerness that's... I won't even say implied. There's, like, that character is attracted to women, you know? Yes. Um, and then we get a scene of her being sort of indoctrinated into this community that is like really horrific. Um, and I just was not a big fan of like this, like this thread of like older queers are going to find your, your youths and make them queer too. Like it is, I, I feel like both I am reaching and also I feel like maybe it is like a thing that the film hits on that it doesn't have any idea it's hitting on of like this queer coding sort of thing.
0: Um, Uh, I feel like it's that more for like the aesthetic of it than anything else.
1: Um, If you were going to read into like the queerness of that, there's also the read of like the way that older people can prey upon younger queer people right? in in order to like offer them a sense of community that they are lacking in other areas of their life Mm -hmm. and like draw them in when they're vulnerable. That is also a a thing even without the like the queer conversion situation that you've laid out. Yeah. Um, Anyway, it's a weird note that doesn't feel like it gets fully resolved.
2: Yeah, it is that scene for me is a weird foul note early on in the movie that I was like kind of put me like made me a little apprehensive for a little while. And then I, it didn't really feel like that was ever that ever was a recurring idea throughout the movie. So I think it was just something that like I was picking up that they were maybe accidentally putting down, Mm -hmm. um, which is still valid, it's just... It's it's still valid, and... It, we just can't describe intentionality to it. Yeah, and it is, um... You know, to the movie's credit, like, that is a weird early foul note that, like, the rest of the movie simply being good and <laughs> not digging its heels in on this thing, like, I've mostly forgotten about,
0: you know? Mm-hmm. So, the other sort of angle I would look at this from is, like... This group of people is depicted as like traveling very often. They live in campervans, you know. They they meditate. They kind of have like what I would say like sort of a hippie styling to them, for sure. And especially you could rise. also have the quest of in there as like, oh, these people are wild and free.
2: Mm-hmm. And like, I'm trying to think because I feel like I have like really laid down my big two thematic takeaways, which I feel like. I hit on the two big thematic takeaways that I had. You said you had other stuff to talk about
1: with this movie. Did you have like a formal thing to talk about or like a a more direct material thing or mm. I really I don't have a I think that some of the emotional beats in this movie were particularly effective. Yeah, um, especially like the scenes where the patients are dying and the scenes related to addiction were all. Like, yes, there was a there was a gravity and like a care with those that I felt was pretty effective. And I can't speak to all the nuances of those things, but um, I th- I thought that they were very effective at like in the in the movie
2: yeah, yeah. I sorry
0: <laughs> uh yeah you I go. don't know that I have any like big thesis stuff left, but again, I like those scenes I think they' worth well there's a lot of mm-hmm. there's a lot of parts of this movie that I you know don't have again big like reads on or anything, but I thought they were very good mm-hmm. um a lot of the like interplay between uh, the little girl whose name I've forgotten but the stuff oh, between shit. her and Rose kind of battling each other was always really fun when that stuff was on screen
2: yeah um i just wanted to quickly touch on what you were saying like the the the, like scenes of him like uh working in this uh nursing home or this hospice i guess um were really enjoyable for me because i'm just a person who really enjoys like magical realism and so i really like this just like very grounded situation this like you know very gloomy thing of having to work in hospice like Um, and, like, those scenes can absolutely work, um, if there's not a cat that, like, goes into people's rooms as it's about to die, or if the cat is, like, unexplained, but, like, having this, like, extra, like, kind of magical element, like, just adds another layer to those scenes that makes them, like, more enjoyable to me. That's just a thing I like in a lot of stuff. Um. I'd like to say that Wikipedia calls,
1: um... The uh, villain group, which are called the True Knot, so they are definitely um, a city from Death Stranding, uh, led by Rose the Hat, Wikipedia calls them a cult of quasi-immortal
2: psychic vampires. Well, there you go. Could you quickly get for me the name of... Uh Uh-huh. Abra. Abra. I really liked the um, uh, scenes with Abra and Rose fighting because it. um, Through early parts of the film, um, Abra and Rose are battling, and like I noticed, like, this kind of vindictive streak, this kind of like this almost cruelty that uh, Abra could have. Um, And it was hard to tell how intentional that was. Um, It was hard to tell, like, what exact, like, is that just. Um, a younger actress like not quite playing the role right like you know um she's really cruel in those and um the one of the last scenes with Rose uh with her and Abra in the maze where like Rose calls attention to how cruel Abra can be is like really interesting of like Oh no 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 no. Like you are absolutely going to end up hurting people the same way I hurt people, and that like the movie But then Abra's reply is, yeah, but you deserve it. Yeah. Which hell yeah. One, Abra d- or Rose does deserve it, and two, like, is still like a vindictive thing to say. And like those two things can those two things can be true at the same time. But also I understand the
1: feeling of like being hurt by someone or being like preyed on by someone, and just having like, okay, well, no, fuck you. Yeah, fuck you. You deserve this. Yeah. yeah. But
0: it's also the feeling of, like, being, like, something trying to prey on and feed on you, and then you realizing you are better at this than they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. um It's
2: really fucking good. I also, like, it... That moment, um like, is really good for me, because it, like it makes the movie not tie up everything with a happily ever after because it is, you know, like, it's very possible that Abra could get older and, like, be a very cruel person in some ways. Um, but she does also have Dan kind of, like, showing up and pushing her in the right direction. And that's, like, you know, really all you can do for the next generation I, is, like, push them in the right direction. But you I can't... I
1: think that... I don't... My gut tells me that she's not cruel. She's mm-hmm. vindictive. There's, a like, a yeah. difference. I don't think that this is painting her as, like, a future villain. I, th- I am, like, kind of galaxy-braining a little bit here. But, like, there is something to be said for, like, the portrayal of the next generation as we are going through, like cultural moments like okay boomer where younger generation is like more willing to call out older generation is more willing to engage in like either actions or rhetoric that would be considered like impolite or like out of like out of the norm because of The emotions behind it, because of the material conditions behind it, and there's an interesting read in there about Avra as a zoomer,
2: maybe. Doctor Sleep, A.K.A. Okay Boomer, the movie, maybe. I don't know. This is just (laughs) something that i I think you're totally onto something. I think
1: that it can come off as cruelty if you are not accustomed to, like, people people in that position fighting back. Yeah, yeah. And I think that. I have a much more charitable read on her actions and her, like, intent.
0: I think uh, it's a very, like, understandable zeal, given that we are told that, like, her shine is something that she has had to repress mm-hmm. and has been, like, told to keep quiet about.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, and, like, the, f- the first scene uh, of her, like, like, shining and, like, her parents' horrified reaction is, like, like, genuinely just one of the most affecting parts of the movie and just is, like, super good. And, like, you always want this for an early scene like this, but it does really, like, linger... It For me, it lingered in my brain and, like, colored a lot of the rest of her scenes. Like, I was thinking about that scene in particular. Because she she
1: was so joyful about it. Yes. And then it, like...
0: Even that scene is her kind of, like, biting back a little bit, because it comes directly after her being like, oh, I can do that, and everyone is dismissive.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Like, God, that fucking, that shitty fucking magician. Fuck that guy. (laughs) Fuck that shitty magician. Fuck that shitty magician, but don't fuck that that shitty magician.
1: Um. (laughs) Um... Uh, do we have more, uh, more things to bring up about this movie?
0: I have, I, I have just one scene...
2: random shot that I want to mention, but you go first, Briar, because it sounds like you have a more say interesting
0: thing. that I liked the scene, uh, where they ambush the group. I think that was really fucking good. That was yeah. really fucking
2: good. I was going to call attention to a particular moment in that scene, which is Abra is like astral projecting into the woods where they're shooting at the people um and like we cut back to her and her dad is watching her astral project and then we cut away to the woods for a few minutes and we cut back to her and the dad is not in the shot and it's like a thing that I saw and was like huh weird i guess he just went to go get some m&ms real quick or something like i was like <laughs> huh weird and then we cut the next time we cut back to her is like oh, this dude is in her home and, like, mm-hmm. killed her dad, and, like, he was very deliberately not in that shot, and you were supposed to notice that. That was like, a, <laughs> oh, shit! This is a good movie! <laughs> Editing! Edit it. Eisenstein!
0: I, I don't know what Aber that was. in general was just, like, a treat to have on screen.
2: Yeah. Yeah, for real. Like, I really hope I see that actress in, like, a million more things after this. The scene where she is acting as...
1: Her character possessed by Ewan McGregor is great. Oh, so good. That's oh my god! It's good. It's it's fucking fantastic. Um, if we are winding down on uh, Doctor Sleep, I am going to offer to take us into another into another place, another world.
2: Fucking do it. Do you want to? While you Google, do you want to shout out like your favorite moment, your favorite scene? Uh. I don't know.
1: I guess the possession the possession scene was great because oh yeah, you just oh you yeah. literally
2: just okay
0: yeah.
1: Um, also, I don't know the, the everything about the boxes was cool. How he locks his ghosts away in boxes in his head. Yeah. I can't relate. So I am taking us all to Funko.com. We are still greeted by the festive banner, wrap up some fun with a uh, PJ's Santa Claus holding a mug that says, I believe. So I'm two episodes behind on Coward Hour. Do you also So just you do... haven't listened at all because there's only two episodes out at the time
2: of this recording? Oh, well, I've listened to the first episode. Uh-huh. I've listened to The Witch. Is that the first episode? No. The Witch is the second episode. Well, I listened to whatever was before that, too. Fuck you. Friday the 13th. Fuck you. Okay. Oh, no. It's just that you've recorded a bunch more. Yes. I was going mm-hmm. to ask, so do you just, every time you do this, just check in with what the Funko homepage looks like? Do you just like... Also... i just like to mention it, just for the listener. Okay. I am going to type in
1: Dr. Sleep... We We couldn't get any fucking Ruby Funkos this time. I'm not searching for Ruby Funkos. So there are no results for Dr.
0: Sleep. I think there will definitely be Shining ones.
2: Yeah, there will definitely be
1: Shining ones. Well, here's the thing is that it didn't come up when I typed in Dr. Sleep, so you know what that means. No! Um, What does this mean? The first Funko on the catalog (laughs) page... Is Gandalf the White. You from could have the typed Lord in the Shining. <laughs> <laughs> the ring. You could have typed <laughs> but, in
2: Ruby. But it's I have an established thing. No, no. Do your established thing. Let's talk about this fucking Gandalf the White.
1: Yeah, there's nothing under the Shining.
0: Yes, there is. I'm oh, looking at two. Shut up. I'm looking at Danny Torrance and Jack Torrance. Uh, hey, y'all, y'all know about Ruby. What's going on with all the Ruby stuff in this movie?
2: Uh,. We discussed this on the Ruby podcast. I didn't realize WB has bought Rooster Teeth, so this was absolutely... WB was advertising one of their media properties. Wow. Um, that's just all that was. I thought Rooster Teeth had paid for product placement in this movie, which I thought was fucking bananas. <laughs> um, uh, So, I'll, I'll let Briard decide.
1: Do you want to rate the Gandalf the White or uh, Danny Torrance?
0: Oh, I would love to see the Danny Torrance. We're not doing Jack?
1: We have Danny, we have Jack, uh, we have Wendy, we have Jack Frozen, we have the Grady twins. Um, Well,
0: if I do the Jack one, uh, that way I do have exactly what that actor looks like in my head because of this movie we just watched that he was definitely in.
2: Uh Uh-huh, for sure. Now, do you want to do Jack or do you want to do Jack Frozen variant?
0: Hmm from
2: disney's frozen.
0: <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize he was in that one
2: um, uh, What was I gonna say I don't know oh, just a quick note about the film um Dr. Sleep uh, the fake Jack Nicholson they get is like Mildly convincing he does. Okay, the fake sissy Spacek they get is bad <laughs> The person they get doing a sissy basic impression is never convincing or believable. So, uh Jack Torrance? Yeah, let's do Jack Torrance. Vanilla.
1: It's it's not anything to do with you, Autumn. What do you mean? This is my
2: domain. Yeah, this is a this is a briar. I'm oh, like... oh, I don't get to also talk about the Jack Torrance funk. You prop. can
1: you can you can uh, review Gandalf the White.
2: Okay, I'll review Gandalf the White. Okay,
1: here's this one, for Breyer.
0: Okay. Well, this doesn't really look very much like Jack Nicholson, to start with. Really,
2: um, if I'm honest, when I think of Jack Nicholson, I do think of Drill, and this definitely doesn't <laughs> look like Drill. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the
1: Twitter account. Not like a movie called Drill that I don't recognize. Yeah.
0: I uh, do appreciate that they went and put the the red rum on the packaging. That's pretty nice. Uh-huh. Uh huh. That's a good touch. We got some little blood flax on the hat, also. That that seems like very specifically detailed blood for a Funko. Probably mm-hmm. could have got away with it just being stylized like circles. Um. Aside from that, it's kind of a pretty pretty boring. I don't think a lot of the detail in that character transfers to the Funko bop. So I'm going to have to go zero Funkos out of five, originally.
2: <laughs> okay, okay. Um, um, I have a Funko question. Do none of them have mouths? Usually not. Usually not. That's a There's much more distressing ones. answer.
1: There's some weird ones. I know that the Rick and Morty ones are taller than normal Funko Pops.
2: Yeah, while you were clicking on Gandalf the White, I did notice there was a 10-inch EV, which we won't touch on here, really, except that I thought it looked t- terrible. So, um... We are... We are I've given
1: Autumn the Gandalf the White uh, Funko Pop. Would you feel free to change between either of you? And yeah. You, so, okay.
2: The first boom. view... Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't have any strong feelings about this. Like, this doesn't really communicate Gandalf to me. But, really, I think to con- to convey Gandalf, you have to do Gandalf the Grey. Like, that's just the Gandalf that I recognize... This looks like any old man in any movie. Mm -hmm. Like, he doesn't even really look like a wizard because he's got a sword here. Gandalf the White does use a staff, right? He uses a staff in one hand and a sword in the other. He uses Glamdring. Yeah, so they should have a staff and a sword. But this... Okay. Anyway, uh, the worst part about this Funko is that his shoes look like Crocs with heels. Like... Like... (laughs) His shoes just look like Crocs to me, um, and for that reason, I am going to have to give this uh, zero Funkos out of five.
1: <laughs> I realized uh. I never showed Briar
2: the Gandalf Funko. There you go. Uh, but it's not that they like look like fun- Crocs. It's look they look like the same texture and I almost said flavor. That was a. <laughs> they look like the same texture as Crocs. I wonder.
1: If it... Flavor Gandalf's shoes are Honestly, now you've put this in my head
2: uh-huh.
0: I, I don't think I've ever wondered that And I would like to continue not wondering that I would
2: like to look at this Can I actually just look at this uh, ring Wraith one below it um, Excuse you Which came while, on we're,
0: while we're still in the Funko Zone I would like to note that the Danny Torrance Funko Does look like Ron Weasley with a knife <laughs> Shit <laughs> I can
1: just go here Click here, uh we'll probably find it. Yeah, <laughs> that's kn- Ron Weasley. That's Ron Weasley with a knife and lipstick.
0: That's Ron Weasley. Uh big binding of Isaac vibes from the Stammy Trans, also. Oh yeah, for and sure. Kind of some fucking uh
1: Stranger Things kid.
2: Have they done Isaac uh Funkos, do you think?
1: We can only rate a maximum of two Funkos in
2: one. I know. I just want to know if Isaac Funkos exist. I will not express any opinions. I will simply see if they exist.
0: Oh, they do gamer Funko Pops now.
2: Uh, Yeah, we got one result here. Uh, This is Sir Isaac Lime of Otter Pops. I don't know what the fuck that is. Otter Pops. Let's click that. There you go, Otter Pops. Oh, I think this, this might be bizarre. a food product. But one of these is $175. Louis Blue Raspberry. Can we get a price check on that Skeletor Funko I really want? Which one? I don't know. There's two Skeletor Funkos. One of them I think is better than the other, and I think it's more expensive. Okay, we've got this one. That one.
1: We've got this one.
2: Yeah, I like the more expensive one better. This one? Yeah. It doesn't have a weird... With the hood. Yeah. The other one has a weird <laughs> green tint on his forehead for some reason. Um... You know. Battle armor Skeletor. That's a fine Skeletor. There's nothing wrong with Hey, that stop
0: rating it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I do have a related Twemko Pop for us. I have found what appears to be Stephen King, but dead. Oh! Or
1: I at least, think... like,
0: suffering a large head injury.
1: Which Stephen is King?
2: Uh, I
0: mean pH. this one
1: I
2: guess.
1: Stephen King. Celebrities.
2: So you got oh. a regular Stephen King and or a were, redhead Stephen King. Redhead Stephen King. We got Steph Curry. Multiple yeah, times. Curse, of course. Listen, if you bought me a Steph Curry Funko, I would be mad at you, but I would you? I Who is this? That's Stephen King, but with blood. Okay. I get it. Okay. The red hair on this Stephen King really didn't convey the Stephen King-ness of it to me, or the fact that he was bleeding from his brain. He's got a hatchet. He does have a hatchet. He looks like Doctor Who. This is a Barnes & Noble exclusive, I just noticed.
1: Hmm. I wonder if that's just the, uh, the bloody version.
2: Yeah, let's get to regular Stephen King see if that's... Yeah. yeah, that's not a Barnes & Noble. That's just, you know, whoever wants to z- vend this. Prince Charles uh, of Wales. Chuck Norris, <laughs> Uzi's variant. Oh dear.
1: Kate Middleton.
2: I have to use the restroom. Am I free to go? Yeah, you can go. Okay.
0: Yeah, I think we're done here.
2: Okay. <clears throat> Goodbye, Briar. You're great.
0: Thank you. Ah. Um... um Very glad to leave the Funko Zone.
1: That brings us to the end of this episode and the end, I believe, the end of 2019 in the Coward Hour.
0: I think that's Um, correct.
1: We hope that everyone is enjoying the season, however you do so. um, And I hope you will join us next year, which we are kicking off with Resident Evil. You usually do the sign off for this p- podcast. Uh,
0: it's <laughs> slotting into the episode, though, right? And we do a sign off in that already. That's true.
1: Well, I will still wish you again good night, and Merry Christmas, and Happy New Year. Is that the podcast? I'm gonna... Yeah, that's the podcast.